Welcome back to the Baby Rose. How's it going, baby? How the hell are you? How are your hearts? And of course, how are your heads? Guys, how's it going? Let's get straight into it. You're on the Patreon. I don't need to ask you to come on the Patreon. Please stay on the Patreon. Tell your friends to come back on the Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Mark Megan. Last night, guys. I watched, don't worry, the podcast is not taking a turn for the Joe Rogan, but I do want to talk about something that has came to my attention. Mexican cartels. I know. Really deep in, like sort of sweeping the seabed floor of the swampy pit of white men's brains. Do you know what I mean? Mexican cartels. What is it with white guys in their 20s that makes them so obsessed with Mexican cartels? I'm genuinely and generally not one of those guys. Nevertheless, last night I watched a documentary which I want to talk to you about. It's called El Sicario, room number 164. Or in Spanish, uh, what is that? uh, I I did French, you see. El Sicario, room... uh, What is room in Spanish? Hold on, one second. Room in Spanish, Abitación. 164. Anyway, this documentary, okay, which I watched last night, it's on Mubi, which is an unbelievable website. If you haven't gotten on to Mubi yet, and if you're interested in films and documentaries, you should check it out. This is a synopsis. In room 164 of a grubby hotel near the Mexican-American border, a man with a black cloth, of course, over his head starts talking about the life he has lived. He provides full details on his 20 years of work for a Mexican drug baron, shading light, Surely it's shedding, but shading light on how thoroughly corrupt the local authorities are. And then the movie synopsis is one of the most terrifying films you'll ever see, and yet you can't look away. This dark, electrifying documentary reveals a side to Mexican drug trafficking that is rarely, if ever, exposed. A fascinating psychological portrait of a criminal showing the undulating impact of crime through society. So I'm there thinking, right, this is going to be interesting. It's obviously going to be different to all of the other sort of cartel-esque films that we've seen. It's going to be different to the way that Mexican cartels are portrayed in media. I like the way it says, reveals a side to Mexican drug trafficking that is rarely, if ever, exposed. I can only assume by that that this is going to be like a nice side. Because I don't think anybody is under any illusion that Mexican cartels are damaging. Nevertheless, I persisted and pursued with this documentary, and it was dog shit, okay? It was done by a director called Gianfranco Rossi, who I actually really like, and he's got an amazing documentary about the migrant crisis called Fire at Sea. I would wholeheartedly recommend you watch that. But this is basically just this sloppo, right? This absolute sloppo sitting in a motel room, regaling the various heinous, heinous acts he committed as an enforcer for this drug baron who was also known as El Patron. Okay, there is obviously something alluring about the Spanish accent that makes me want to continue watching this documentary because everything sounds much more glamorous. And I almost sport an erection when he says el cartel because it sounds so nice off the tongue. But yeah, it's it's basically, it was quite boring. He just talks about the crimes. Some of them are gruesome. Some of them are pretty gruesome. For instance, one of the torture techniques he adopted as a torture technician was... Basically, there was a bunch of local drug dealers in the town of Juarez. And uh, they were robbing cars as well as selling drugs. So El Patron put out this, put out basically a sort of a rule to the whole town to say nobody is allowed to steal any more cars. 
right? It's bringing too much attention from the law enforcement, even though they're all corrupt, so I don't understand that, but... No more stealing cars, okay? And of course, a few of the local young, up-and-coming kids who got moxie, you know, they still uh, continue to rob cars. Nevertheless, they rounded them all up, herded them all up, and started doing all these torture techniques to teach them a lesson. One of the things that they did was they got this industrial-sized farmyard vat, okay, which is about eight foot tall and really wide, filled to the top with boiling water, built some sort of winch, wench, winch, I think, like a, a human-sized winch. They held the people, the drug dealers, they, like, attached them to the winch, put them over the vat of boiling water, would dip them in toe first, right? And they'd slowly bring them down and obviously burn them alive. And then just as they fainted or passed out, they'd remove them from the hot water. They would have a doctor on site. The doctor would revive them. And then they'd repeat the process until the individual eventually succumbed to burns and died. So yeah, that's pretty grim. But like, surely there are cheaper alternatives with the same amount of, like, barbarism that you could do. Who the fuck is building the winch? Do you know what I mean? Who, where are you getting these vats of boil? This is so, like, there's so much effort going into this. Just shoot them or get like a, get a rusty hanger and just do stuff to them. It's absolutely mental, some of the stuff. What was the other thing he did? Oh, yeah, um, El Patron put this order out on one guy, right, who he didn't like. He'd obviously disgruntled him or, like, you know, stood in his shoes or, like, scored a goal against his son in football or something, you know? And what they did was they get the guy to lie on the ground naked, always naked, get him to lie on the ground naked, and then they get this blanket. They spray the blanket in petrol, light the match to it, and then they throw the blanket on the guy then they take the blanket off him, and when they're taking the blanket off him, three layers of skin come off with the blanket. And then, by the way, they spray him down with white spirits. Like, that is so sore. Can you imagine how sore that would be? And the guys there going, he still won't talk. I would talk in a fucking heartbeat. In a fucking heartbeat. Mark, are you going to talk? Yes, yes. Every, I'm going to talk. I will give up my family in an instant. Literally, uh, mum's address is here. Uh, my younger sister lives in this address. Uh, if you're trying to go in from the side, you need to use this code. Uh, but also, there's a the, there's a trick window on the back right of the garage. You can easily get in through there. She sleeps like a log. Do what you do. Your worst. Do your worst. She has a fear of snakes. She has a fear of snakes. So if you really want to make this like last, this torture, that's her address. Dad, dad has a bad knee. Dad's got a bad knee. So if you were to take like a three iron or a pitching wedge, gone. Do you know, I would give up everybody in an instant. That torture sounds absolutely die a fucking, like, do, ow, ah, ah, el patron, I'm sorry. Also el patron, also el patron, why aren't you here to do this yourself? Do you ever notice that? They're always like at their children's birthday party and he takes out a phone the size of a rugby ball and he's just like, see boss, we have him now. Do it. And then it's like his wife in the background, it's the kid's birthday party, she's calling him over to light the candles and he just says something like, kill him. And he flips the phone shut and then walks over, gives his kid a big, you know, kiss with the tongue and uh, lights the candles. Fuck El Patron. Fuck Mexican cartels. I would reveal my family in a heartbeat.
so I continue watching the documentary, all right? Because I'm a sucker for that gratuitous violence and just bottom uh, stuff. Anyway, continue with the documentary and your man's there telling all these stories about different people, okay? And then he talks that, you know, he, he mentions that some of the crimes are obviously more grotesque if there's like a particular slight on El Patron, the boss, okay? And it's just like, if you are one of these local lads in the town, okay, don't piss off the boss. Don't, like, if I know, if I'm, like, there was these, one of the stories, he's like, there was this group of young guys and they decide to mess around with El Patron. And maybe they didn't realise, that's French, maybe they didn't realise how strong and aggressive his power is and he extends, but they decide to try and outsmart El Patron. Okay, don't outsmart El Patron. Don't... I live in Dublin, okay? I live in Dublin, and I'm somehow aware of El Cartel and the absolute insanity that goes on in Juarez and Tijuana and all of these places. Surely you know. Surely you're aware that about El Patron and just how far-reaching his power extends. Oh, there was a couple of these local kids, and they accidentally robbed the mansion. But it turned out that the mansion was El Patron's. How do you not... What do you mean you accidentally robbed the mountain? You live in a tiny village where the main source of transport is a mule. And the only other work going, aside from drug dealing, is to be a drugs mule. So who do you fucking think owns that massive guarded mansion with 19 Ferraris in it? It's definitely, almost definitely, El Patron's. Do you know what I mean? Oh, there was this one kid, there was this one kid who was uh, supposed to be just holding the money for El Patron, and then he ended up spending it. What? Why would you do that? Why would you do that? Leave it under the mattress, get your friends to revolute you if you want to spend cash. Don't use El Patron's money. And if you're going to use El Patron's money, don't go to the one local discotheque wearing a brand new fucking Rolex watch and a shirt the colour of candy floss. How do you think you're going to get away with that? Do you honestly think, like, El Patron, the one place that he goes and drinks with his harem of women every Friday night, and he sees you there wearing a pink flamenco shirt and this massive, goldy, dripping Rolex watch, how do you think that's going to go down? Oh, Alejandro. Nice watch, eh? Oh, see, si, see, si, El Patron. Eh, I got it as a gift. It was my 21st a couple of weeks ago. I got it from my parents. Interesting. How much was it? Uh, I think it was like three and a half grand. Oh, that reminds me. I must remember to get that three and a half thousand euros you're hiding in your room. How stupid do you think El Patron is? Do you know what I mean? Wearing your new Gucci loafers. Oh, also, I like your loafers. How much were they as a matter of interest only? Uh, they were 650 quid. Got them on ASOS. Oh, very nice. Oh, while I have you, that also reminds me. Do you still have that 650 euros under your bed that I gave you to mine? Yes, of course I do, El Patron. How are you still in this job, by the way, El Patron? You're not really observant, are you? Don't rob from El Patron. And also, El Patron does not sound like a good boss anyway. Do you ever get that in the films or the shows, like the Narsos or anything? There's always one guy who comes back in. Hey, guys, you know, whenever they're doing like a stakeout or they've got like a kidnapped victim attached to the bath or something and it's, he answers the phone. See? Okay. See? See, I'm sorry. Oh, and boss, I just want... He hung up on me. And he walks into the room. Guys, I think the boss is angry. 
Of course he's angry. He's El Patron. He's a criminal lord. Of course he's angry. But also, why is he just angry? I've just lathered some poor fucker in ketchup after taking his skin off with my teeth. I'm going above and beyond. That wasn't on the job description at all. When he reached out to me on LinkedIn, none of this came with the fucking territory. What more does he want? I haven't taken annual leave in months. This is a disaster. Who do I complain to, by the way? Because apparently everyone is a fucking informant. El Patron. One time I got a call from El Patron. He told me to bring this guy. He was a local government counselor. And he was get up. But he had fallen foul of El Patron. We took him to Hotel 164. We tied him to the bed. And for three days we strangled him. And just before he dies, we stop it. Eventually we get a call from El Patron to say that his family had paid the money. So we are going to swap him over. The problem is, once you fall foul of El Patron, you will never leave, even if your family pay. Okay, Grant, so wh- why are we even bothering them? Why Why are we doing the phone calls? Why are we doing all this? If you're going to kill him anyway, just kill him. Anyway, we kept him for the three days, and then the family paid the money. So, I brought him across the border, into El Paso, in Texas. And from then, he disappeared. We never saw him again. Now, I don't know what happened to him. He died. He died. I can assure you, he's dead. You murdered him. You butchered him. He's over. He's finished. He's done. Finito. Okay? There is not a singular chance in the world that after three days of you guys attaching him to the bloody bedpost, whipping him, strangulating him, that he was then just brought over to your other friends from El Cartel in El, El Paso and they just let him off scot-free. The guy isn't running a chiropodist practice now in Dundrum. Do you know what I mean? Which would actually be dramatically ironic, considering you've already chopped his fucking toes off in a cigar cutter. Like, when, let's just say, he was never seen again. Uh, you killed him. Why are you winking when you say that? Let's just say, he did not cause us any problems anymore. Because he was dead. He was a corpse afterwards. I can, he's high, remember you hung him from the street lamp, so, so he's, why, I don't know, why are you winking with the, he's dead, like he's very much, I thought that was clear, but I, with the cartel sort of stuff. he's dead he he not he will cease to exist because he's rubbed el patron up the wrong way do you know what i mean that's sort of very apparent or am i i just i the car, i'd hate to work for a cartel once you're in you're in forever well that's terrible you're like we're a modern world now you need to have work job flexibility everybody's a lot more transient when it comes to the professional world people pick and choose it's not just you know it's not just one vocation you can do a bit of digital marketing you can get into graphic design do a bit of social media do you know what i mean who does the social for el cartel actually but yeah fuck being in a cartel he gives you everything you want drink drugs money but where can you spend it you, you don't get to live any sort of life. Apparently the guy was saying that you had this one phone and you have this one phone for it, which El Patron would ring them directly on. And if the, if you don't answer your phone, it either means you're already dead or it means El Patron wants you dead. 
No, why are they the only two options? Surely it means you're out of battery. You could be driving around West Cork. You could be in an area that's just out of coverage. You could be at a cinema. You could be in the movie theatre being respectful to the other people. Respectable that are other... Respectful to the other people that are watching the movie. There are lots of other options for your phone being off than El Patron either already having murdered you from a distance mind or for him wanting to murder you. Good God, what happens if you get a dodgy battery? Or if you pick up one of those phone, like, you know, the shit chargers from a, from a Circle K or something that drains your battery? These should not be the only two options for your phone being off. Fucking hell, El Patron. Would you like, he really needs to chill a bit, El Patron. Good God. Yeah, not for me. Anyway, thank you for listening to the Baby Roast. (laughs) 